time to play with pain, where sports and inaccuracy collide. Now, here's your host, veteran sportscaster, and the voice of the International Speed Fishing Championships, Jet Waterhouse. Now, brother, hello again, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, comedian, writer, Emmy winner, and my stat man. His album, What Was I Thinking, just dropped this weekend. Jeff Cesario. We're going to be talking to Jeff in a second. First, let me thank my new podcast hosts, StarburnsAudio.com. Home to the Sklar Brothers, Joe Coy, Paula Pastone, Adam Felber, Cliff Dorfman, and Jason Matt Bessers. So many other great shows. You got to check them all out. We got Advice Corner today, a Fiery Four, and it's going to be a good show. And as always, before we get to my guest, Jeff Cesario, time for the Waterhouse Update. Brought to you by Bay Quinoa, the non-grain quinoa made from bacon with real quinoa. How do you know one of those curly things isn't a worm? Try Bay Quinoa, the all-meat quinoa, and rest easy. Baseball may not play the season. All those steroids wasted on lawn mowing. Players want a 60-game season. Owners are okay if the teams just cut cards for the playoffs. They just have to play some games, said the haphazard Front Lawn Parking Association. That wrap-up brought to you by Diafolical, the hair tint endorsed by Satan himself. Let your hair take the heat with Diafolical. Ultimate Fighting. Dana White announced that UFC 258 will be held at a secret abandoned cobalt mine two miles under the Cascade Mountains. Well, that'll keep attendance down. NBA. Lakers favored like an Italian cruise ship pulling into port way too fast. They just keep coming at you. Any health issues at the Disney World courts and players will be rushed to Orlando's Queen of Huge June Bugs Hospital. That wrap-up sponsored by Carnivorios, the chocolate cookie with the white meat center. NASCAR, Talladega 500, a noose was found in African-American driver Bubba Wallace's stall. Police have narrowed the search to an ignorant cracker. Golf, Webb Simpson won the Heritage Open by 23andMe strokes. Horse racing, Tis the Law won the Belmont Stakes. When he crossed the finish line, the one guy allowed in the bleachers stood up, ripped up his ticket, and walked out. And finally, this week in sports history, the year 1958, the place Kansas City, Missouri, a game between Kansas City and Boston, was delayed a half hour due to a tornado. After attempting to roll out the tarp, a grounds crew member was found as far east as St. Louis. This Waterhouse Update brought to you by the Thunderburps, the Air Force belching team. Now, finally, it's talk time. My guest today, comic, writer, Emmy-winning producer, new album out now called What Was I Thinking? It's available uh, like everywhere, uh, like Pandora, all that kind of stuff. Please welcome Jeff Cesario. Jeff, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm pretty good. Thank you so much for having me, Chet. I'm usually here because I do your stats. Well, that's true, but you know, uh, I like to treat you like a big-time guest right now. And uh, let's let's get, let's dive right in. You're from Kenosha, Wisconsin, right? That's true, Chet. I'm, I'm, um, uh, that's the opposite part of the state of Wisconsin from God's country. That's like lacrosse. I grew up in Kenosha. 
uh, which uh, was sort of factory town. American Motors was there and jockey menswear and McWhite wire rope <laughs> and uh, Anaconda American breath. It was a factory town. Uh, so uh, like uh, me, Melvin Gordon, the Dodgers, Gavin Lux, Don Amici and uh, Mark Ruffalo are all from Kenosha. I understand you played uh, sports. I can't believe that you played sports. You don't have the build. I was trying to guess the body type of my guest and how it might fit into an athletic endeavor. And I'll be honest, uh, you look like a drunk bocce ball player. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's uh, probably as close as I came. I did. Uh, I ran track in high school uh, reluctantly, uh, which is that's what the announcers would have said had they been calling my my events. Uh, like had you been doing a chat, it would have been, oh, brother, uh, Cesario does not want to be here. That's exactly, uh, that's how I ran track. I, I, I was not a bad sprinter, but, uh, they didn't need not bad sprinters. They needed super good sprinters. So they stuck me on the mile and I had to run the mile, which I, I just despised. Uh, I couldn't do it. Turns out I have exercise induced asthma, which nobody knew back then. So, uh, you know, I, I was having a little bit of a hard time breathing, but, um, I'll never forget. We, we, uh, ran track at my high school. Our track stadium was like a mile away from the high school down on the lakeshore in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And we didn't, we, we couldn't even really hold a meet there. So we had to run our meets up at Carthage college, which was about two miles North. So, uh, and this is back when they didn't have money for anything. So, uh, so the coach, uh, we're having a big meet, like a, like a, like a quad, like four schools are there. And we're hosting the meet up at Carthage College, though. But we're, we're meeting all at the track stadium down on the lakefront. And our coach says, okay, the sprinters uh, come with me uh, in my car. And the field guys, you can drive yourselves because we... <laughs> We had guys who were already working the second shift at American Motors. They were like our hammer throwing our discus. So they drove themselves. And then he goes, uh, distance guys, just run up to Carthage College. And then you'll run your meet. So it's a two-mile run to Carthage College for the meet. So I, I dutifully run up there. And I'm completely gassed by the time I walk into the stadium. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, the, the, I hear the announcer go, now it's time for the JV mile, which was my event. <laughs> and I was too tired. It was my first act of rebellion. I, um, I walked into the field house at Carthage and I bought a Coke out of a vending machine and I watched my event through the giant glass windows. That was my, uh, that was my act of rebellion. Wow. So that, that may have, that may actually have qualified uh, as your greatest athletic moment too. Uh, that tremendous anecdote from Jeff Cesario. Brought to you by the Pinch and Fondle Motel. Get busy and get out of here. And also, of course, uh, Schlatzman's Ultra Dry Lager. So dry, you may not have to pee. Now, um, uh, listen to me. I know you're a huge Wisconsin Badger fan uh, because I follow all your stuff and you're just into them hard. Now, uh, that's the kind of team, to me, that it seems like you would have superstitions seems like they need a little fan help to get them where they're going. You got the superstitions? Chet, great, uh, great question. Thank you. Uh, very few people ever say that. I know um, I'm here all the time doing your stats, so I hear people not say that. But <laughs> here's, here's, here, here's what I do watching a, a Wisconsin Badger football game. I do not wear the colors of the opponent at any time during the week. 
no no colors that's that's my superstition and then this is a weird one for that's for football football it's weird because football i will watch every second of every of every football game even if they're losing uh basketball i can't watch any of it i get agita i just can't do it i i, I don't know what happened what, what do you mean you get agita just watching a basketball game yeah i can't it's it's something about basketball period the same with the nba although that's more out of boredom but college basketball i just can't it gives me so much agita so i just check my score app about every 10 minutes and i see how wisconsin is doing those are my two uh those are my two superstitions all right, now, now, all right. So you're up there in, in uh, you went to school in Madison. Yeah, that's correct. And 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 uh, you go there. How'd you get into comedy? Because uh, where would you start? How'd you do this? Well, actually, I started as a sports writer, and uh, all the guys at the paper said, you know, facts are kind of getting in the way of <laughs> your stories. So maybe you shouldn't be doing stories like news stories. Uh, you know, maybe do a column and try to make it funny. And that's kind of how I slid into it. And, and, uh, and then of course I, I would watch the tonight show as a kid and just see everybody from, from prior to Steve Landisberg to just, you know, uh, Albert Brooks and just crazy conceptual guys all the way to great joke writers. And, 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 you know, I was kind of skirting around it. I was a musician and a, and a writer for a while. And, then when I turned 28, I said, well, if I'm going to try stand up, I got to do it. And, and I had seen on the, in the same two day period, uh, I was in Chicago, uh, visiting a friend and we went out and we saw Richard Pryor's live and in concert when it first came out at the state theater, uh, with an all African-American crowd. And it, he literally blew the roof off the place. And I went, Oh, Oh my God, how do you do that? That is amazing. And then like the next night, I saw the very first HBO Young Comedian special. This is like 1980, 81, somewhere in there, or even earlier, 79, 80, somewhere in there. And, and Jerry Seinfeld was one of the comics. And there was a guy who kind of looked like me and kind of was my build and my height. And he was on stage telling jokes and making it work. And it kind of connected the dots from way up where Pryor was to what a guy like Seinfeld was doing pounding jokes. And I said that I think I can do. Let me, let me see if I can get anywhere near where Seinfeld is. And if I can do that, maybe then I can incorporate what, 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 uh, you know, Pryor's approach, which was to make it more personal. Um, and like I say, I started late. I was, I was like, uh, I was 28 years old. Holy God, 28. You're like the Manny Mota of comedy. That's impossible. Nobody starts. You got to be like 93. Now I'm old. I mean, let's just say I'm 103. It's just, it doesn't matter, Chet. Once you get past 50, it doesn't matter because uh, I can still see young people looking at me at Starbucks going, please don't die here. I'm just trying to get a caramel macchiato and get to my improv class. Okay. Uh, so it doesn't matter once you clear 50. All right. What are your influences? Comedically, who do you list? I know you mentioned it prior and Seinfeld. Who else out of that list? Oh, wow. Robert Klein, who was kind of the father of, you know, in Seinfeld and uh, was just great. The first guy to do a sports announcer bit in, in, his, in his stuff. And that's, that's kind of how I got really interested in sports for my comedy. And um, uh, certainly Leno, uh, Shandling, Gary Shandling showed me uh, really how to start putting myself into my act up to that point. Um, 
you know, I'd done a lot of what I call third person comedy. Who, who's that guy? How, what about those goofy people? How come that family does it that way? And then, you know, Gary was, was a tremendous joke writer, tremendous writer, period. And then his stand-up, though, he had this nice personal touch and he made everything about him. And um, I started to learn that. And I don't think I really uh, got to where I wanted to be with it until this album. What was I thinking? I honestly think I finally started to put the pieces together successfully um, um, then. Wow. That, uh, that tremendous uh, brain synapse firing was brought to you by Lester Holt, the guy you fast forward through when you're watching Dateline. And ouch, the game of slivers. Plus, comatose. Catch a snack and a nap with comatose. All right. So now you're doing stand-up. Then you slide into the writing uh, through the Dennis Miller guy because you start writing for him. And then uh, you win a couple of Emmys with, with Dennis Miller. And, and, and uh, now that was when? Um, that's like the mid-90s. We so so those, those Emmys are like 100 years old. Well, uh, Chet, it doesn't really matter when you won the Emmy. It matters that. Yeah, it kind of matters when you won the Emmy. All right, all right, fine. It, it matters when you won the Emmy. Um, uh, so, so yeah, it was, it was a great thrill to win those. I'll never forget uh, the late, great Phil Hartman was the first presenter, and, he, and he, he, his eyebrows went up when he opened the envelope and I said, Oh my goodness, I think we got a shot. And then he read our names. We were the first cable show to beat a network series. First cable series to beat a network series in a major category. And, and then like three years later, there were no cable ACE awards anymore. There were just Emmys. Um, and I, I think in our little way, we kind of helped pop that bubble. Uh, so you achieve that level of success, then literally you got to kind of go pound to the body for 20 years. You, you, you became like you're in the trenches. You're digging. That, that's true. But in many ways, you know, you can't control when you get your shots. You just take them and, and roll. And, um, uh, you know, I've done great projects since then. Uh, you know, the Queen Latifah show and Brand X with Russell Brand and the Marriage Ref with Seinfeld and and uh, just a ton of stuff. And, and uh, Jack Frost with Michael Keaton, the feature, feature story, uh, the feature film, which I, I really enjoyed. And I enjoyed uh, working on it and meeting Michael. Now, that film, you're on a set with a guy like Michael Keaton. Uh, something's got to stick out to you there. Uh, what, st what stuck out on, th on that movie set was that uh, it, was a, it was sort of a remake of the, the song Jack Frost. So they had a a giant sort of audio animatronic Jack Frost uh, built like a six foot tall snowman uh, built by the Jim Henson puppet people. Um, and uh, they came on set with this giant snowman and they said, uh, let us know what you want it to do. It can literally do anything. So we had written a bit where it needed to sort of raise its hand and do a funny hand gesture to Michael who was playing the dad in the, in the movie who turns into the snowman. So, uh, yeah, go watch it. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to get a plot summary on Google. Uh, so so they say, the dummy can do anything. The, the, the puppet can do anything. So I go, can it raise its hand? They go, it can't do that. It can't raise its hand over its head. But anything else it can do, I go, okay, can it like uh, pretend to kick so I can have it play, play, play soccer with the kid if it wants? It can't really kick. So it turns out the, the puppet can't really do pretty much anything 
So uh, I'm very frustrated at this point, and I take to calling it a dummy instead of a puppet, which infuriates the Jim Henson people. And uh, <laughs> and they have to be like 75 yards away to control it um, and not be within radio distance that interferes with the cameras and the sound equipment. So they're constant. They're like 75 yards away the entire time. And they're like, OK, we're ready to go. And I'm like, all right, uh, uh, tell the dummy. And they go, it's not a dummy. It's a puppet. Yeah. Tell the dummy to move six feet to its right. It's not a dummy. It's a puppet. So the entire shoot, I kept calling it a dummy just to irritate them. Now, you mentioned Dennis, uh, Dennis Miller guy. Uh, what was he like? Because he's changed politically. Yeah, he, he's kind of metamorphosized, but you know, he's a great dude. Yeah, they, they call him prickly. Is that an accurate term? Well, look, um, yeah, you know, I think he's just a cantankerous guy who's probably, um, uh, you know, not a huge people person naturally. And so, so, you know, he's a great guy, huge heart, very generous guy very straight shooter he just doesn't happen to be a huge people person he'd rather be sitting there watching uh jeff fred rather be watching the pirates right now Rennie stennett they got a whole thing you know he'd rather do that than 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 anything else now you're one of these uh guys uh, you've done you've done talk show appearances you've had four of your own specials but this is your first album that's true it's my first album well why Why'd you wait? Uh, you know, I mean, you're old enough where you, you probably barely make it to the stage uh, to, to do the album. So why'd you wait so long? Well, look, I, uh, <laughs> I can amble up on stage. Certainly, maybe not from the back of the room, Chet, where I have to cut through people. But if I'm coming from behind the stage, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good to make it. Um, uh, so I, I, you know, I just thought I would do it because it seemed like a fun thing to do. And I'd never been able to kind of cherry pick my act. So I wanted to do some stuff from early in, in uh, from some classic stuff that, that hopefully with some luck, I can kind of uh, majestically retire and raise its banner up into the rafters of the arena. And then I did stuff that I literally had written that day, that day. Yeah, that day. So I, I combined, I combined it all, and it may be the best time I've ever had on stage. I'm, I'm serious. Hey, how'd you come up with this Chet Waterhouse character? That's a, that's an interesting uh, a rub to me. Not a lot of guys do a, sort of an alter ego and are actually able to make it work. And and I think the jury's out that you're able to make it work or not. I'm not sure. Chet, I I started him in my standup probably probably mid '80s. Uh, just because I loved sports announcers so much, I loved the fact that they saw everything through, through the prism of sports and were positive about it. And the way I, I the joke was um, they could get any news bulletin and it wouldn't phase them. All right, let's check the sports results. <laughs> we're in the middle of the, uh, the hockey season. Detroit Red Wings fly by the Chicago Blackhawks five to two. Oh, wait, this bulletin just in. The Iran has hit the buttons. We're in the middle of World War III, uh, right when the Red Wings had started to turn it around. Uh, well, we got to look at the bright side, folks. With that nuclear winter, we ought to be able to skate outside year-round. So that's what I loved about it, Chad. I loved the fact that they saw everything optimistically uh, no matter what. And then it kind of grew into Chet, and it grew into the sponsors, and I did them on radio and stuff. And it's just always stayed with me. And, and um, 
I've enjoyed creating you. Well, uh, that's way too deep, way too metaphysical for me. Uh, and that, that bizarre philosophical twist brought to you by Pill Bottled Cotton. Make your own clothes with Pill Bottled Cotton. It's free cotton for Pete's sake. And scornhub.com, videos of hot moms who disapprove of your actions. Plus, stiff and salty pretzels. They always taste older than they are. And kimono. The new record label from Kim Kardashian and Yoko Ono. All right, now listen to me. I got a bona fide big time comedian, writer, and producer. Uh, he's here with me today. For it's time for advice corner. Actual takeaway from the great Jeff Cesario. All right, buddy. Here's how we do this. I ask you questions because uh, you never know. There may be kids out there listening in, and they might want to have you know take off in a career direction similar to yours. Hopefully, not as long. Hopefully they don't wait till they're 35 or whatever to get into the, into the business. But anyway, all right. I'm going to ask you the question. Just give me a straight answer. All right. You got it, Jeff. Quick tip for running a writer's room. Cause I know you've ran writer's rooms. You ran the Dennis Miller room early and, and, and yeah, yeah. The, the Spike Ferriston room. You ran that and yeah, yeah. A lot of, and you contributed in so many other rooms. Hey, what's your hook there? Well, you know, I, I think if you're running a writer's room, the best thing you can do is figure out your style. And what works best for the show and clearly what works best for your host. But, but then you're still like, I'm more of a baseball manager style. Like I like to find out my staff's strengths and then point things at them that play to their strength. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, usually I've been working on staffs that are so small. We don't have the option of being uh, a teaching university too, which is okay. Everybody's going to get a shot at, producing all elements of their bit. Usually it's been a Chinese fire. Usually it's been the siege of Baston. There's like four writers in a bunker and we got to try to write our way out for 13 weeks. So, um, so I, I, I go more, my instincts are more a baseball manager. All right, give me a good travel tip. You've been on the road maybe not as much lately, but you've done a ton of road work in your career. What's your travel tip? I would say tip. Yeah, yeah, the tip. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, tip. We're in the middle of an Abbott and Costello bit now. What is your travel? Chet, tip is what I'm saying. I'm saying tip cash. Just tip. You're going to, you'd be surprised how a buck here, five bucks here works to your advantage. Plus, tip your maid ahead of time. Tip your room service, you know, tip that ahead of time. Put $5 or $10 right at the beginning of the week because as a comic, you're going to be someplace for at least four days. Tip right at the top, and they take care of you so much better. Plus, that way, here's a second free tip. Nobody in the room. Be Felix Unger at that point. Nobody gets in. The maid comes in, wants you to clean. Nobody else. That's it. Nobody in the room. And don't even let the maid in. What are you, what are you a pig? You know how to live without making a mess, right, Chet? I, I do. I, you know, that's that. those are two pretty good tips. I got to hand it to you there. Okay, question three. As a stand-up, what's the best way to settle yourself before a big show like the Tonight Show? Uh, I try to feel my feet. Uh, I know it sounds a little weird, but it helps me ground myself to know that I'm actually standing on ground. And then I try to remind myself to have a good time. All right. Last question. Oh, that was question four. How do you break through a, a writing block? You've done enough writing, and I'm sure you've hit enough walls. Uh, your forehead certainly indicates you've hit enough walls. How, how, how do you break through them? 
Um, I just make a decision and go with it. Uh, there was a, I had a, a piano player friend of mine. His name was Lyle Mays. He played with the Pat Metheny uh, group. And uh, he told me once, I asked him the same question once creatively, you know, when you're stuck, especially if you have two or three directions to go, how do you choose which one? And he just said, I pick one like right away. I just pick one and I keep writing and I'll know soon enough. I'll know within three to five minutes if it's the right direction or not. And then I'll just go, if it's wrong, I just go back and pick one of the other ones. He, he made it such an easy, relaxed decision that I always do that now as a writer, just pick one of the things you're mulling over and go with it. And you'll know soon enough if it's, if it's right or wrong, man, that ain't bad. You, you actually came through that uh, better than I thought because you are in you know, a, I don't know, sometimes, especially when you're handing me stats, I get kind of a glazed over looking at how you handle that one. That advice corner brought to you by hyperbole.com. Each day, a new compliment for your cat at hyperbole.com. Now, it's time for the Fiery Four. The Fiery Four. Jeff Cesario, these are sports takes hotter than a Confederate statue storage facility. Fire number one. Should we care if there's no baseball season? Ooh, that's a good one, Chet. Thank you. In a, in a quiet summer where the, the biggest news would be like a slight rise in the picnic ant population, I think we would care. But it, it, this summer, you know, we got enough on our plates. I think missing televised baseball games uh, in front of uh, deathly silence is not going to be a big deal. Plus, they're still... So far apart, they're not going to sign this thing. I, I honestly, I just feel bad for ballpark organists at that point. I don't. I. I hope. I hope against all hope that they don't make them play in empty stadiums. Fire number two. College football's moving forward in fifth gear. They're in overdrive, but more and more players are looking at their coach saying it's bad enough getting walloped by Ohio State. Now I might die too. Uh, what do colleges do here? Well, you're talking to my heart here. I love college football, but they, they may have to eat it this season unless they can quarantine these teams and play in front of empty stadiums and do constant testing. Because when you stop and think about it, they are playing with fire. They can't do that. Enough young people, enough athletes have uh, have have caught this and caught it in a bad way that they got to be super careful and i would be just as okay with uh with um, what they've done in other sports rerun classic seasons i think they may have to do that this year fire number three nascar confederate flag ban how will they enforce it oh that's a good one yeah because they just had the bl- yeah the blimp flew over a giant confederate flag and then an insult uh, tailing after you know that cost you an extra 10 bucks to tag that uh, insult on there because that's extra drag for the pilot. He's really got to know what he's doing. That's really true. I never thought of that. How would they how would they enforce a Confederate flag ban at a NASC? You know what? Make the people who bring in a Confederate flag, you take the flag away and you make them sit on that on that scary turn where the tires always go flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn number three. Yeah. Make them sit there right in the front row. Um and because hey, then they can have a couple of tires hit that fence. And pow, they'll be because it always made me laugh that they say boxing is the most dangerous sport, which is dangerous. But um, for participants, NASCAR is the most dangerous sport. I mean, I've never seen a boxer's shoe 
fly off and kill seven people in the front row. It just doesn't happen. And finally, fire number four. That's uh, that's true, Mother Shoe. Finally, fire number four is Dana White and Ultimate Fighting. Are they insane or are they genius? Uh, they're already insane. They're fighting to the death in a place the size of a Jiffy Lube Bay with trampoline netting around them. So they're crazy. But it, it, I think he might be getting some kickback money from offshore casinos because he is a genius in the sense that he made something happen athletically that people wanted to see and wanted to bet on. And I think that was the key. And that's why, that's why I think uh, UFC and NASCAR will probably come out smelling best out of this whole thing. That fiery four brought to you by river glance, the Irish dance sensation where only their eyes move. All right. Now, uh, uh, time for pop quiz. Hang on. We got a theme song for this. Pop, 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 pop quiz. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, that was a live version. I have it recorded, but uh, I don't want to stress out my engineer, Mackenzie. You have to go find that and add that to this Michigas, if I may borrow from my Jewish friends. Uh, so this is where I ask you. Yes, of course. You know the drill. You, you, you've been telling me the whole interview. You're here every day that I do it. So you know what goes on here. Try to stump me. Okay. All right. Let me go. Um, the uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, home of uh, American Motors, also home to two uh, Heisman Trophy winners. Who are they? Oh, brother. Two Heisman Trophy winners out of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Jeez. Man, I grew up in Cheddar Falls. I should know this. Uh, let's go with, oh, I know the first one. Alan Amici. That's right, the horse from Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's right, the University of Wisconsin running back. Great. Ooh, another, yeah. Another University of Wisconsin running back. Melvin Gordon, did he win the Heisman? Oh, that's a good one. I probably should have looked at You're my stat man. You should have looked at it. That one's a draw. That's. I'm taking that as a win. All right, take that as a win. It's one nothing. We'll look it up. Um, okay. Question number two. What is the best way to de-husk garlic? Garlic. What is the best way to de-husk garlic? Oh, brother. Now you're throwing those fancy farm terms at me. I'm not good in the kitchen. I usually eat press box food, which is usually just a pre-wrapped sandwich. I'm going to say uh, uh, cheese grated. No, you can't cheese grate it with the peel on. You have to take, because then you would have that that uh, wax papery stuff. It would be in your meal. I don't, I don't pay that close attention to my pasta. I just eat it. All right, here's what you do. You, you take up like a big flat knife. You put your garlic clove on the counter. Boom, you put the knife on top of it and smash it. That's how you, that's how you do it. All right, well, then this is why I don't do a lot of cooking on the show. But uh, okay. All right. So it's one and one. All right. Here's the rubber question. Let's see if I can't pull this out. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm 12, 109 and two. Now I got two ties, but uh, I think I got a shot at this one. Your last pop quiz question. All right, Chet, here we go. Um, prior to their surge as a football uh, power, the university of Wisconsin only had one winning season uh, during the entire decade of the 70s, 1974, they went seven and four. What was the team they upset? National power, they upset in Camp Randall Stadium 
to uh, to guarantee the winning season. Oh, brother, national power, national power. I'm going to guess uh, Big Ten. Maybe Big Ten team came in. Let me go. Uh, I'll go Michigan. I got to say Ohio State, but nobody's beating Ohio State back then because Woody Hayes would just clock you right in the larynx and uh, they'd cart you off the field. Uh, so I'm going to go Michigan. No, it is not Michigan. It is Nebraska. What? Yeah, Nebraska came in there, all highfalutin. And uh, Greg Bolig threw to uh, Jeff Mack, 75-yard touchdown pass, and they beat Nebraska. Wow, that is amazing. And unfortunately, I lost. How did I lose to my own stat, man? Man, that's embarrassing. That pop quiz brought to you by Waiting in Vain. In a long line, call Waiting in Vain and give plasma when you want. All right, my guest today, the very funny Jeff Cesario. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Real Jeff Cesario. Go to jeffcesario.com and get his new stand-up album. What was I thinking? There's a giant button at the top of his uh, webpage. He made sure he showed me that for 10 minutes earlier today. So you just click on that button, then you can get his album. Uh, uh, let's give the kid as good. It is funny. Uh, what was I think his name? Of it? Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you, Chet. It was my pleasure to move over four feet from my Statman chair and uh, be a guest. Hey, no, duh. no back talk. Follow me on Twitter at Chet Waterhouse. Thanks to all of you for listening, and thanks to my new host, StarburnsAudio.com. If you want more of me this weekend, I'll be hosting a new game show for Cringe.com called What Video Will Hollywood Celebrities Release Next? I'm not supposed to give hints, but say hello to Anne Hathaway doing interpretive dance. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.